Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's cracking? Good evening. This is Darren Fatman McDuffie welcoming you to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, otherwise known as the Fat Man Radio Show. I am your host again, Darren McDuffie, and took a little bit of time off. I think we uh, took some time off for Thanksgiving, so I hope everyone had a nice Thanksgiving. Just a few reminders before the show starts tonight. If you have not uh, subscribed to me on iTunes, please do so. It's very easy to listen to the shows that way. Just put them in your iPod, and you can listen to them. Uh, Also, please like my Facebook fan page. Uh, I'm the Fat Man. Just look for it on Facebook and go in there and like the, the, the fan page because that's the way that you'll be updated when all the shows are happening. So please do that. And also... Connect with me on Twitter at the fat that's p h a t underscore man, and connect with me on Twitter. I do tweet. I don't. I'm not a big tweeter, but I do tweet, and you can be connected to me that way. So, again, good episode tonight. I'm really excited about this episode. I actually met this this guy in person, Jimmy Moore, uh, author of Cholesterol Clarity, the first person I ever met in person that I've actually listened to his podcast and. Um, uh, got a chance to meet him live. So uh, we actually met uh, about five minutes away from my house here in South Florida, and uh, he agreed to come on the show. So, And he's going to talk tonight a little bit about cholesterol, and we're going to get some clarification on cholesterol. I know many of the audience out there might think that cholesterol is bad, but we're going to dispel that myth tonight and give you some pointers on what to look for when you go to the doctor and you get those cholesterol readings. So without further ado, I'm going to bring uh, Jimmy on right now. Jimmy Moore, welcome to Fat Man Radio. How's it going? Hey, man, what's cracking, as you say? I love that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a little something that I picked up. So I always say that, what's cracking. Everything is good, man. How are you? Oh, I'm crack-a-lacking along, my friend, just trying to stay warm. Sounds good, sounds good. I know we were talking before the show about uh, living in Florida and the fact that we have 75, 80-degree weather here right now, and you're probably freezing your little buns off right now. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're spoiled in Florida, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. We are very spoiled. If the temperature gets at 70 degrees, People are you see people with all these big jackets on. I thought that was the oddest <laughs> thing when I first moved to Florida. But... <laughs> Yeah. But I guess you get used to it, and now I'm one of those people that when it's 70 degrees, I'm grabbing for my jacket now, so uh, you get used yeah, to I it. Yeah, I grew up in Pensacola, so I kind of I know what you're talking about. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's get into this cholesterol thing. I don't want to keep you too much tonight, and I'm really excited to talk about this topic because this is something that kind of hits home to me, and I know it hits home to you from reading um, the book. So let's kind of get into this. And before we get into just talking about cholesterol, I think we need to kind of get into the history. So can you give us just a brief history of how we got to this whole thing of saturated fats uh, causing high cholesterol, which causes heart disease? (laughs) Well, it happened a long time ago, uh, and it really did, um, but not really that long ago in the grand history of the world. Um, we're talking the 1950s when all of this kind of turned around before I get into that story. Before then, I mean, think about it. Our great-grandma, our grandma, they used real butter. They mm-hmm. used lard. They used all these real food-based fats to cook literally everything in. And traditional cultures around the world always saturated fat was the prized possession 
of the diet. And so for all these years, we did just fine. There was no heart disease, um, not like it is today. There was no obesity like it is today. There was no diabetes. Uh, We were pretty darn healthy. But in the 1950s, there was this scientist named Ansel Keys, and he observed uh, in some studies where there were some rabbits who were fed saturated fat, and they got heart disease. So what they don't tell you about that study is rabbits are not uh, are herbivores. So they're not designed by God to be eating saturated fat. So you feed an animal that's not supposed to eat saturated fat, saturated fat, it's not surprising that they get heart disease. So he extrapolated that, though. Well, if it's that way with rabbits, then it must be that way with humans. So... He's able to go around the world and do this seven uh, countries study. Um, there was actually 20-something countries involved in the study, but a whole bunch of them didn't fit his paradigm of more saturated fat leading to higher rates of heart disease. But he didn't care about that. He only cared about proving his own point, so he only published the seven that had the data that proved his point. And, of course, he got on the front cover of Time magazine and was heralded as a thinker and innovator in nutrition. Fast forward into the 1970s, this is becoming national policy now with the likes of George McGovern, who's trying to you know, push low-fat diets and you know, eliminating saturated fat from the American diet and pushing that as healthy and having the government make dietary recommendations to Americans about how they should be eating. So that Mm -hmm. happened in the late 70s and into the early 80s is when we started the food pyramid, which is now today known as My Plate, um, and the dietary guidelines uh, come out every four years, or every five years, excuse me, um, in America still to this day, and they still promote healthy whole grains, low-fat diets, Um, It's just we've been led down this wrong path to nutrition um, that that unfortunately it's it's just unfortunate that it's become such a part of our culture that people don't even question it anymore, Darren. I mean, it's, it's just amazing to me. People just obediently, when you say eat healthy, they know what that means. They know cut your fat, cut your calories, and go exercise at the gym an hour a day. Unfortunately, yeah. that's just not going to be effective for everybody. Yeah, and wasn't McGovern on a low-fat diet himself at that at that time? Yep. 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 So the blind are leading the blind here. <laughs> so, yeah, um, indeed. Yeah, so let's talk a bit about if you can kind of break cholesterol down to us, the components of cholesterol, because I know some people out there may not understand it. I understand it, but I just try to make, uh, give the audience just a, a brief understanding of the components of, of cholesterol, HDL, LDL, VLDL. Can you kind of explain those to the, to the listeners? Sure. So when you get your cholesterol results back from your doctor, Uh, you usually see a total cholesterol number, okay? So what that total cholesterol is, is the combination of your LDLC number, your HDLC number, and this number called VLDL. Now, don't let VLDL throw you off. Basically, all VLDL is is your triglyceride number divided by five. 
So that is how they kind of incorporate that into your total cholesterol is making it into that VLDL. So the LDL, um, we're going to come back to that one in just a second because it's a little more complex. But HDL is the, the good cholesterol everybody's been hearing about. So you want to have the HDL cholesterol to be as high as, as you can get it, uh, you know, because it is basically the part of your cholesterol that will help remove the bad part of your cholesterol, if that kind of makes sense. It acts kind of as a broom uh, for removing the LDL, okay? So mm -hmm. that's the HDL, and you definitely want to have that over 50 and optimally over 70, most Americans are walking around like I was before I lost all my weight and changed to a high-fat, low-carb diet. Uh, most are walking around with upper teens, low 20s, even 30, and they're being told, oh, that's okay. No, that is not okay. You need to have your HDL get higher and optimally over that 70, and you got to do that by eating more saturated fat in your diet. If you're not eating saturated fat, you probably will not see your HDL cholesterol go much above 35 or 40. You've got to ramp up your fat. So that's, that's the HDL. LDL is an interesting one because everybody panics when they see their LDL cholesterol go over 100. But, and you know this because you've read my book now. Uh, mm -hmm. but did, you know, <laughs> did you know that's just an estimated, calculated number, that LDL-C number? It is not exactly uh, measured, Darren, and a lot of people, I think that surprises them when they realize that that number that is being predicated on so much of their health and whether they should be taking a drug or not is simply a calculated number using this thing called the Friedwald equation. Mm -hmm. And the Friedwald equation basically takes your other numbers and estimates, calculates what your LDL should be. Unfortunately, when you have... Uh, lower triglycerides, and higher HDL cholesterol, that, that Friedwald equation really is off. It doesn't calculate it very well, which is why I tell people in Cholesterol Clarity, go get an NMR lipo profile test done because it's a little more advanced version. It measures directly exactly the number of LDL particles that you have, but also the size of those particles, which becomes important because not all LDL is bad. There is some good LDL, the large fluffy kind, and mm -hmm. there's bad LDL, which is the small dense kind, and it's the small dense you're trying to avoid. So get that test run. It's going to tell you a whole lot more than that estimated calculated LDL-C number. Um, and then with total cholesterol, most of the time, people are like, well, I have a 215 total cholesterol, and my uh, doctor wants to put me on a statin drug, Lipitor, Crestor, one of those. And 215 doesn't tell me anything. Knowing your total cholesterol is like knowing the end of a baseball game is 25 or the end of your, your basketball game was 150. You don't know if it was a 100 to 50 game or if it was – you know, 75, 75, you just don't know what that means. And one of those numbers is a number you want to have higher, your HDL cholesterol. So why are we medicating people predicated on a total cholesterol number that one number you want higher, another number is estimated, calculated? It just doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, I found that to be one of the amazing things when I read your book because I knew about cholesterol, but I didn't know that that Friedwall equation was just that an yep. equation. It wasn't anything precise. It was just some equation that they pulled out the air, and then they're yep. just telling people now that you're supposed to go on a statin based upon the fact that you do have uh, bad cholesterol, LDL, in your body. So I just thought that that was Another crazy thing. <laughs> and I don't blame them for wanting to maybe cut costs because it, it probably does estimate very well in those people who have really bad other markers. But when you have incredibly good markers, uh, like I said, with lower triglycerides, anything under 100, optimally under 70 is really good triglyceride levels. And then really good HDL over 50 and optimally over 70 when those numbers are there, the Friedwald equation just goes all wacky on you. But when you have really bad of those numbers, it calculates the LDL pretty darn good. So I know that's why they use it, but it doesn't help people that are trying to eat healthier and doing the right things and then getting scaremongered by their doctor. Yeah, yeah. And I want to go back to LDL and talk about the particles a little bit more. But before yeah. I do that, I think we need to establish that um, cholesterol is a good thing. Is that correct? Oh, my God. Cholesterol is a vital part of literally every part of your life. If you did not have cholesterol in your body, you know, most people would say, well, what's the perfect uh, uh, level of cholesterol in the body? A lot of people would say zero. But that would be ignorant of the fact that cholesterol plays such a critical role in so many aspects of our health. I mean, it literally is the essence of life. Without it, your cells couldn't be uh, repaired. Hormones are all controlled by our cholesterol levels, absorption of various vitamins, vitamin D especially from the sun, um, you know, digestion of fats. I could go on and on and on, but cholesterol really is a powerful, positive substance in the body. I really hate that cholesterol, kind of like saturated fat, has gotten a black eye in the public uh, because it really is an amazing substance in the body. Yeah, yeah. So reading your book, I noticed that there you had a chapter in the book, or a paragraph rather, where you said there are no definitive studies to link cholesterol to heart disease. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, people, if they have higher cholesterol levels, then that automatically means they're going to have a heart attack or they're going to die. And, and doctors even portray it and paint it in that way. They're like, oh, you're 240 total cholesterol. You're, imminent, you're at imminent danger for a heart attack, and you're going to die if you don't take this drug. What they're not telling people is it's not the cholesterol that's the problem. It's the inflammation. And without inflammation – there is no heart disease. Now, I want to say that again because I, I want to make sure that's hammered home. Without inflammation in the body, you cannot have heart disease. And so there's a, a good cholesterol, or excuse me, good inflammation marker that you can have run. It's called the high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, HSCRP. Literally, it's a blood test any doctor can run and it will show you your level of systemic inflammation. And if you have a level under 2.0, you're doing pretty good. Optimally under 1.0 is really good. My, my latest one, Darren, I had run a couple months ago, mm -hmm. 0.83. So wow. it's really good. Even though my total cholesterol is over 300. 
So some people might say, well, the cholesterol is harming you. No, the thing that would be harming me would be inflammation, and the cholesterol responds in the body to inflammation to help put out that fire. I I like to kind of liken inflammation to fire, and the cholesterol is like the firefighters. You know, the firefighters come and put out the fire, right? So would we blame the firefighter for putting out a fire? No, that would be ludicrous, but that's the exact thing that we're doing by blaming cholesterol for heart disease. So if cholesterol isn't, isn't a problem and inflammation is, what are the things that actually cause inflammation in, in the body? Oh, man, Here, here's the fun part of this discussion, <laughs> because <laughs> so many people are stressed there, aren't they? They're just stressed yeah. out the wazoo. People, please chill out, because all that stress is going to raise your inflammation levels. It's going to show up on that CRP. Uh, lack of sleep will also raise your inflammation levels. Uh, here's one, and not many people get to this level, but if you over-exercise, people think, well, I need to exercise on the treadmill an hour a day. Well, guess what? If you're beating yourself up on a treadmill every single day for an hour, you're probably making yourself worse in terms of inflammation, not better. Now, turning to the diet, this is my favorite part, carbs are a huge inflammatory aspect for a lot of people. Anything that's going to spike your blood sugar is probably going to be inflammatory in the body. So grains, sugar, uh, processed foods, starch, all of these foods that are pretty much harmful for most people, um, they're going to raise your inflammation levels. So don't eat them. Yeah, so when you say sugar and you say grains, I know a lot of people get confused when it comes to grains. Can you yep. just talk about what what do grains actually entail? Yeah, uh, the human body was never intended to consume grains. <laughs> people are shocked by that, especially because we've been told, you need to have 9 to 11 servings of healthy whole grains every single day, and they, so they obediently go buy Cheerios, um, thinking that that's healthy whole grains, not realizing that's highly, 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 highly processed grains. Yeah, there's um, two great resources I want to recommend because I'm certainly not an expert on on that, but these two guys are. Dr. William Davis wrote a book called Wheat Belly, so that's definitely a really good one. It's been out there several years, a perennial uh, New York Times bestseller, and a recent one that came out that's also a New York Times bestseller, Grain Brain by Dr. David Perlmutter, And if you ever want to know what's wrong with grains, read both of those books, and you'll see not just the heart health uh, aspects and the weight aspects, which is what Dr. Davis does. He's a cardiologist, by the way. Uh, But also the neurologist, Dr. Perlmutter, talks about all the brain health implications of consuming these grains. They're really bad news for you and arguably even worse for you than sugar. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I know you had attacked uh, in your book or you had some um, a doctor talk about this. I can't remember his name, but uh, he talked a lot about vegetable oils as well as yes. one of those primary things for infl- yep. inflammation. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I was, I was getting to that one when you, when you kept me off on the grains. I was like, <laughs> okay, I got one more. I got one more. Yeah, vegetable yeah, oils is certainly a huge one. Uh, that was David Gillespie. Um, he's a, an activist in Australia, actually. 
who is one of my uh, guest experts in the book, and he wrote a book called Toxic Oil. And in that book, he talks about how these processed, highly, highly processed seed oils uh, that have been promoted very heavily as heart healthy. I mean, you go into a grocery store right now, and you walk down the aisle where all the vegetable oils, so canola oil and corn oil, all these oils, it literally lines uh, a whole side of the grocery store. It's amazing. And they all have this nice little heart symbol on it. Oh, look how healthy we are. The reason they say that, Darren, is it does one thing extremely well in the, in the minds of doctors and dietitians. It lowers that LDLC number. So remember, it's that calculated number. It lowers that number extremely well. But it's what it's doing to your particles. Remember those LDL particles, the large fluffy and the small dense? It eliminates those large fluffy kind, leaving behind the small dense kind, and then oxidizing them, kind of making them rusty in your body to make them even more atherogenic. So, yes, your LDLC number came down, but at the expense of getting rid of the good LDL that you had, leaving behind this highly inflammatory uh, LDL particles that are going to give you more heart disease, um, a heart attack, and you probably will die because you won't have the cholesterol to save you. Yeah, so it's a fair assumption to say, I'm, I'm listening to you and, and, and read the book, that we have two different uh, particles that make up LDL, the big fluffy kind, which is good, and I want people to understand that, that listeners understand, and then the small dense kind, and the small dense kind is the one that we really need to worry about. Is that a correct assumption? Yeah, and I even throw the word and dangerous. So small, dense, and dangerous. That way it sticks yeah. in your mind. That's the kind you don't want. Yep, yep. So, yeah, so I think that when we hear LDL, because I was always taught that HDL was good and LDL was yep. bad. There was never yep. any division between those things, and I think a lot of people still think that way. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's just such a part of our culture. And, Darren, the funny thing is we never questioned it. Everybody just believes it to be true, and they still believe it to be true, which is why I wrote Cholesterol Clarity, because I wanted people to know, hey, there's a different paradigm out here. There's different information that, unfortunately, just has not penetrated into our culture well enough. Let's get it out there. We wrote it, hopefully, in simple enough language for anybody to understand um, and and hopefully that was mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah. So um, with heart disease, and we now have dispelled the myth that cholesterol doesn't really cause heart disease, and we now know what actually does. If I'm looking at my cholesterol test that I've been given by the doctor, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it, what are some of the things that I should be looking for just to get an adequate reading to know where I, I, I stand as far as uh, am I at risk for heart disease? What, what are the things right. that are going to give me an accurate assumption of that? Yeah, so if you're only looking at the standard cholesterol panel, so the standard cholesterol panel, like we mentioned earlier, has total cholesterol, LDLC, HDLC, triglycerides, and BLDL. Sometimes they'll throw another one on there called non-HDL cholesterol. Don't let that confuse you. All that is is all of your numbers minus the HDL, um, and, and doctors can extrapolate information. 
the, the ones to zero in on, Darren, are, are, are two very important ones. I kind of alluded to this earlier. Mm-hmm. Your triglycerides number, again, you need to have that number below 100 and optimally under 70. And if it's not, guess what? You're probably eating a few too many carbohydrates for your body. So back down a bit on the carbs. Get that triglyceride number under 70 optimally. Okay, so that's one. On your HDL, you want to have that over 50 and optimally over 70. And so the best way to raise your HDL cholesterol, probably the very best way to do it, is to eat more saturated fat. So start eating coconut oil, start eating butter, start eating lard, start eating full uh, fat meats uh, and full fat dairy if you can handle dairy in your diet. Those things will help you get your HDL cholesterol up there higher and higher. And again, optimally, you want it above 70. And when you have a triglyceride to HDL cholesterol level of 2.0 or less, that ratio between those two numbers, you're doing Mm -hmm. pretty good. Under 1.0 is optimal, though. So if you have a 70 HDL and a 70 triglycerides, you're sitting pretty. That's a beautiful ratio. Yeah, and one of the things I found also um, that I didn't know is that uh, in one section of your book, I believe it's in a quote, and um, they were saying that you just said the HDL and triglyceride are a a good way to predict heart disease or if you're someone at that risk for heart disease. Why is that not effective? And this caught my eye because I am (laughs) African-American. It says that in African-Americans, this is not a good predictor of heart disease. Can you kind of explain that? Yeah, I believe that was Dr. Thomas Dayspring that might have mm-hmm. made that comment. You know, I don't know a whole lot about that specific one. He he put that comment in there, and I was like, ooh, i got to put that in my book somewhere. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I, I can definitely hook you up with Dr. Dayspring, who can give you more information about why uh, triglycerides and African Americans, that there's kind of an anomaly. I know he cited a paper and maybe off the air I can send you a link to that paper uh, that was written by an African-American physician um, who was looking into this that kind of fed him that information. So uh, I'll get that to you off the air, and maybe you can share it in your show notes or something. Yeah, please do so. Please do so. So um, if we've already established that we have these um, things that we should be looking at, markers, so to speak, HDL and triglycerides, and – we know that these things are going to be predictors of if we are heart, heart, have heart disease. We've already said that cholesterol is not a fair predictor of that. But in essence, I know a lot of people are going on statins. And um, I just wanted to ask you, are statins effective? And are there any dangers with, with these cholesterol-lowering drugs? Right. So if your goal in life, is to get your cholesterol level below 200, guess what? Statin drugs are going to do that for you. But what we're trying to communicate with cholesterol clarity is maybe having your cholesterol level under 200 really isn't the goal that you should have in mind. And so, like I said, my total cholesterol right now is over 300. And guess what, Darren? I ain't worried about it. Not in in the least am I worried about it. My HDL cholesterol is in the 70s. My triglycerides are in the 
30s, so my ratio is extremely good. My CRP level, that key inflammation marker, 0.8, uh, 0.8 something. Um, I've had a CT scan of my chest that measures for actual calcified plaque that is in my arteries, in my coronary arteries, zero. I've had an um, ultrasound of my carotid artery to see if there's any kind of plaque buildup happening in my carotid artery, no. So, I mean, you look for all these measurable signs of actual disease taking place, it just ain't there. And so, yeah, I mean, you can take a statin, but people think that gives them a get-out-of-jail-free card. They think, okay, I'll take a statin, and I can keep on eating for lunch every day. And I can keep on eating. I, I used to eat those little Debbie snack cakes. Did you ever like those in your past? <laughs> oh, my God, oatmeal. Those oatmeal yeah. pies what? and Swiss yeah. cakes. Oh. And the Swiss, oh, man, you, you and I are, are certainly blood brothers because that was <laughs> my two favorite ones, too. And 16 cans of Coca-Cola a day. I mean, I was a walking, talking, ticking time bomb with the way I used to eat. Thankfully, I don't do any of that anymore um, and eat much better. But there's some people that would say, you know what, I'll just take that drug and, and I won't worry about my heart health. And then they'll wonder, why did I get a heart attack at the age of 47? That. You you had a weird uh, reaction to some, you were on statins before when you were uh, yeah. I guess I believe you were losing weight or you had already lost weight well, I'm not sure but well, um, you had a weird reaction. Pounds. You were when I was 410 when I was 410 pounds mm -hmm. before I started uh, eating the way I eat now I was on both Lipitor and Crestor for my high cholesterol. You want to know what my high cholesterol was back in. I guess that was about 10, 12 years ago now when I was put on Lipitor. It was 230. <laughs> that was that my was your, total cholesterol. And he thought that, that was, was such a, a dastardly high level. And that was the highest you ever you ever got with your cholesterol, 230? Uh, well, it was 230 at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I go on Lipitor, and it drops down to about 130 within six months. The problem is, while it went down, I got major, major um, joint pain, muscle aches. Uh, you say you play basketball. I was playing a pickup game of basketball at my church. 400-pound guy tried boxing me out at 400 pounds. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty hard, buddy. But uh, I would go up for a rebound. Uh, I, I was just like Charles Barkley, the round mound, the rebound. And I would go and get that rebound, and my thumb went straight backwards one time. And I went, oh, that is not a fun injury to have. And so I go to the emergency room, and they're like, oh, do you take a cholesterol-lowering medication? And I said, well, yeah, I take Lipitor. Oh, you need to talk to your doctor about that. We've been having a lot of injuries with people who take those drugs. And I went, whoa, I'd never heard that before. So I go back to my doctor, and he says, oh, you don't like Lipitor? We'll put you on a better one. He puts me on Crestor, which is basically the same classification statins of drugs, and I had the same pain in the joints and pain uh, in the muscle. I basically came off of all those medications when I lost my weight in 2004. Cool. Good for you. I know, um, just speaking from personal experience, when I was in the pharma industry, I knew a lot of times what I tell people is we know about all these side effects before the general yep. population knows them. And I know that Lipitor right. has some issues with it when I used to call on doctors. 
And I remember um, the doctor, my doctor, wanting me to go on Lipitor, and I said no. And this is when I was in that whole mind frame of yep. having a low cholesterol. I told him, I said, I will eat oatmeal until it comes out my ears <laughs> before <laughs> before before I I Lipitor. And then um, in your yeah. book, I noticed that one of the doctors made a comment that Lipitor killed liver cells, and I remember specifically yeah. that. That was the issue that Lipitor was having when I was in the pharmaceutical industry was you having all these liver toxicity issues. So I thought that that was just a good connection. And one of the problems with the pharmaceutical companies, especially with the statin trials, is if they're not getting a desirable effect, they're just not going to publish the research. And I think that's totally wrong. They should be made, if they're getting a bad result, they should have to publish that bad result which is why they can get away with saying, oh, well, it's very minor that people have these, these side effects uh, like Jimmy talked about. And, you know, I'm only talking about joint pain and, and muscle ache. One of my experts in the book uh, is Dr. Dwayne Gravelin, and he actually experienced this thing called transient global amnesia. So it affected him neurologically and gave him some really bad side effects. He was only on Lipitor for two months in his life. And it's literally debilitated him to the point that he's almost, he, he almost has ALS now and going to be in a wheelchair because of this drug. It's just, it's so sad. Yeah, that was a, a sad story. I remember reading that in a book. Um, in relation to that, I want to just ask you a question and, and, and get your opinion on this. I mm-hmm. know that I live in, I live in God's waiting room, South Florida, <laughs> and, <laughs> and we have a lot of our older population, and a lot of these people are going to the doctor. And yeah. I know that, um, you know, these doctors for the older population, they're prescribing these statins. And I'm wondering if this has any relation. I believe you talked about this in a book, but I'm wondering if all of the, the rise in Alzheimer's and dementia has anything to do with these uh, prescribing of these statins in our older population. Is there some kind of connection there? Man, you are so spot on. That, that is exactly what's happening here. It's a combination of two things, Darren. It's carbs, which they're not being told uh, or they're told to eat more and more of and less fat. Your brain needs fat. And so uh, Dr. Perlmutter does a great job in Grain Brain kind of talking about a lot of this stuff with the Alzheimer's. And especially as, as, uh, aging, as the aging population, they need to be eating more fat and less carbs, but yeah, those statin drugs are doing bad news on the older population. And and it's so dastardly, Darren. Listen to this. As people get older, their cholesterol levels naturally go higher. One of my experts in the book is Chris Masterjohn, Mm -hmm. uh, a world-renowned expert on traditional cultures. And he said, in traditional cultures where they're free from heart disease, the women, their average cholesterol level is 250 which is really high compared to what we look at. But check this out. As they get older, 60s, 70s, 80s, 300 cholesterol is totally normal in these tribes and these traditional cultures where they're free from heart disease. And so a lady goes in, she's 65 years old, to see her doctor, and uh, the doctor says, oh, your total cholesterol is 260 we got to put you on a statin drug. And so he puts them on a statin drug, and they start getting some neurological effects, and they go, well, I can't remember things. Oh, I, I'm just getting old. It's a senior moment. 
They never stop to say, did that drug actually do that to me? This angers the hell out of me. I'm sorry, but it does. <laughs> because they're being told, oh, it's, you're just getting older, when it could be that very medication that's supposed to be making them healthier. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's one of the big, big tricks that's being played on our uh, older population uh, is that whole thing of just getting on these statins and losing memory. And, and uh, most old people, like you say, always contribute everything to, oh, I'm just getting old. They never really look yeah. at the side effects of all the drugs that they're taking. I have an uncle that's on pain. like... Yeah, exactly. I have an uncle now, and it's just, I mean, he's suffering from dementia, but he's on yeah. like 20 different types of meds. So, it's, mm. yeah, it's it's a crazy thing. Now, now I'm not anti-medication, but I think mm -hmm. we're way over-prescribing statins as a first line of defense, they're not really looking at the nutritional component, which is much more powerful. Yeah, yeah. And you spend some time on that in your book saying that doctors don't really have a whole lot of nutritional experience. And there's not, just from my experience, I know that for a fact, but maybe the general population doesn't know that. But I know yeah. that doctors spend less than I would say less than 20, 24 hours really spending any time on nutrition if they get that whatsoever in uh, in medical school. Yeah, I just talked to a medical school student up in uh, at Duke University Medical Center, mm -hmm. and he said, we got a three-hour seminar in nutrition, and that was it. Wow. I gave him 24. Yeah. I was <laughs> <laughs> it's getting I was worse, sure. brother. It's getting worse. Yeah, yeah. So let's switch back to cholesterol for a minute, because I know you yep. got to get you out of here. And one of the things I found really interesting was um, the story on what was the name Tim Russert from uh, the Tim Russert, uh huh. Tim Russert, and the fact that even though he died of a heart attack, a massive heart attack, and his cholesterol levels were very, very low, which kind of brings yep. me back to the whole thing, the danger of having really low cholesterol levels. Yeah, it goes back to the firefighter analogy again. Mm -hmm. Think about it. If your neighbor's house is on fire and there's no fire department real close, uh, what's going to happen to that neighbor's house? It's going to burn to a crisp and all the way to the ground, and there's not going to be anything left. In other words, full destruction. Well, that's unfortunately what happened to Tim Russert with his 105 total cholesterol. He was doing all the right things, low-fat diet, uh, taking a statin, healthy whole grains, riding on a bicycle every day. He was doing all the things that his doctor told him were heart healthy, and that 105 total cholesterol, by all measures, was just being told, hey, you're doing great, man. Keep it up. And then in, in the mid-50s, in his mid-50s, he dies of his very first heart attack. Why does that happen? Well, he had very high inflammation levels, so his HSCRP was something like six or seven. It was really high. And then he had a heart scan done posthumously, and they saw that he had calcified plaque um, to the tune of a score, a heart calcium score of over 500. So that one-two punch of the high inflammation and actual disease taking place despite taking a statin, despite having low total cholesterol of 105, despite doing the healthy whole grains, all these things that he was told to be, that was healthy, it didn't help him. He was a sitting duck because he didn't have the cholesterol there 
to come act as the firefighter in his body to put out the fire of inflammation. Yeah, yeah. So in relation to it, having low cholesterol is not good, but there are also some things that elevate cholesterol. And now that we're finding out that uh, cholesterol is a good thing, um, those things that elevate cholesterol kind of do somewhat of foreshadowing. Can you talk a little bit about that, specifically just uh, things such as nutrition deficiencies, having you know just things like too many carbs? Can you talk about those things that actually elevate the cholesterol? Yeah, so uh, Chapter 14, we actually go through nine reasons why your cholesterol levels can go up because people get all freaked out when they see their cholesterol level. I mean, people look, hear about my levels, and they're like, aren't you worried about 300 total cholesterol? No, I'm not, <laughs> uh, because there's various things that can make it happen. And, and it, what's funny to me, Darren, and I'll get to those in a second, but what's funny to me is a doctor, no doctor that I've ever heard of, except for the ones quoted in my book, ever ask the question, why is your cholesterol elevated? Not take this pill and let's artificially get it lower, but why? There are reasons why the cholesterol will go up, and yet how many doctors take the time to dig a little deeper and get to the root cause of what could be raising those cholesterol levels? So what is raising the cholesterol levels? Did you know if you're losing weight, that's going to make your cholesterol levels go all wacky? It really will. Last year, I was, um, I was in the midst of some losing some weight, doing an experiment on myself with ketosis. And just for fun, Darren, I went to my local Sam's Club in December after I'd lost about 50 pounds or so, went to there to see, all right, what's this doing to my total cholesterol? Not that I cared, but it was just I was writing this book, and I just wanted to see what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I measured the total cholesterol. It was 400 19. Wow. Now, any doctor would say, you need to be on the highest dose of statin medication immediately. Well, I waited six more months, got my weight stable for a couple months, and I tested again, and it came out 306. So it dropped over 100 points in about six months, and I didn't really do anything different other than make my weight stable. So when you're losing weight, don't check your cholesterol. It will just freak out your doctor. He'll be putting you on a medication that you may or may not be needing. Um, it's just not a good idea to do that. Another one that kind of is personal to me that we write about in that chapter that also raises uh, cholesterol levels that you might not think about is periodontal disease. If you have some kind of an infection, yep. yeah. So if you have an mm-hmm. infection in your mouth that could raise your cholesterol and it makes sense an infection in your mouth is what inflammation so -hmm. that inflammation is going to require more cholesterol the firefighters coming to the scene the fire remember so more cholesterol so it's going to elevate your cholesterol so earlier this year i went to see a holistic dentist back in june and they cleaned up. I had four former root canals that had all become infected. And so I had all those cleaned up, and then I had my mercury amalgams taken out and put in some, some good material. So the, the toxicity from the heavy metals and the infections, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see is my cholesterol going to come down now, but now that I've kind of taken away the source of inflammation that that cholesterol was having to be elevated for. 
That that would be interesting, and I found that to be very, very interesting about the infection in your mouth. You also talk in that chapter about hypothyroidism as well. Yeah. Can you um, elaborate on that? Because I know a lot of people, especially women, are having problems with their thyroid. Yeah, I, I think it's just important to know we're not machines. And, and everybody's like, well, if you have high cholesterol, you need a statin. Well, no, 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 let's back up. Let's look at the thyroid levels. And if you have hypothyroidism going on, just know that's going to raise your cholesterol. Um, and it's all interconnected. Um, the cholesterol is rising in response to that. And so maybe work on with your doctor, and hopefully you've got a really good doctor, on getting you on, on some Armour Thyroid, the desiccated uh, uh, thyroid medication, that's going to be, you know, maybe one way that you could naturally get your cholesterol levels to come back in line again, fixing that thyroid. So get yourself a really good thyroid doctor. I've interviewed quite a few on my podcast, uh, the Living Levita Low Carb Show. Um, definitely um, let me know, and I can help hook you up to those people if you can't find a good one in your area. Okay, yeah, I was actually interested in getting um, Janie Botharp and also yep. uh, Dr. Karazian, Karazian at some point. Yep, yep. yep. So, yeah, I, w- I will do that. Um, you mentioned, let's just talk about the HDL triglyceride connection, but I think the audience probably needs to understand the what what is the importance of triglycerides. What, are, what, does triglyceride, what do triglycerides do in the body? Yeah, it's a it's a key blood fat, and unfortunately, it's the one I call forgotten and ignored. I mean, it's, it's one of the two, uh, along with HDL. Triglycerides, just people haven't heard that term before. They're, they've been kind of kept in the dark because all they talk about is LDL and total cholesterol. You, you know why they, all they talk about is LDL and total, right? There's mm-hmm. no drug that lowers. There's no drug that lowers anything but those things. Um, right. Now, um, triglycerides do come down. They have a prescription uh, fish oil that they give people. I think it's called Lavaza or something like that. And so that, that's one reason you never hear anybody talk about the triglycerides. But triglycerides are so, so important. One of my experts in the book was Dr. David Diamond, and mm-hmm. his story of triglycerides was just incredible. Um, his was 800 was his triglycerides number. And remember, this is the one you want under 100 and optimally under 70 if you can. And so despite the fact that his total cholesterol was only 220, 800 was his triglycerides level. And so here he was with, uh, it's a key sign that you're in trouble with metabolic syndrome. It's one of those key markers when you have elevated triglycerides um so trying to get that lower and lower is is the key and the best way to drop triglycerides hands down is to catch carbs you cut the now, carbs especially simple carbs yeah so when you say simple carbs can you kind of explain that to the audience? i think a lot of people i've been through fitness and all of this stuff so i understand carbs yeah. But I know a lot of people don't. Can you kind of give us just a real brief crash yeah. course in, in carbs and what they need to lower and what they need to kind of stay away from? Sure. Uh, all carbohydrates aren't bad, and, and that probably sounds funny coming out of the mouth of somebody who has a website called Live in La Vida Low Carb. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's basically grains, 
sugars, and starches. Those are the three culprits that are simple carbs that turn quickly into sugar, and especially the more processed they are. So you have highly processed grains, highly processed sugars, highly processed starches. These things can be problematic in the body, raising blood sugar, raising triglycerides. It's just bad news for you. Um, and even those so-called whole grains, don't be fooled by the terminology. I think we have kind of a, a, a rhetoric issue here because people hear whole grains and they say, oh, well, it's whole grains. It must be healthy. But most of the so-called whole grains that are out there, Darren, unfortunately, are highly processed. So that cereal that says made with 12 essential whole grains, eh-eh. It's made with 12 non-essential, highly processed, simple-carb grains. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so you want to avoid those because they're the ones that are going to be the true culprit in leading to a decline in your health. Now, when you say low-carb, how, I mean, I know that you pretty much eat low-carb. How, how many carbs do you eat daily on a, on a daily basis? I, I have to eat low-carb because I used to be 410 pounds, mm-hmm. and I know I am so super carb sensitive. Uh, of course, I joke with people. The first 32 years of my life, I ate all of my allot- allotment of carbs in the first 32 <laughs> years of my life. So the rest of my life, I have to kind of trickle it out for the rest of my life. No, it's not that way for everybody. Um, I personally eat around 25 to 30 grams a day, which doesn't sound like a lot. But when you see what I eat, I eat mostly fat. So that's where I get most of my calories from, my energy from. I don't really worry about the carbs so much anymore. And I certainly don't over-obsess about, okay, I had 26 today. Oh, no, what am I going to do? No, I don't, I don't do that. Um, my next book is going to be called Keto Clarity, and it's going to help people figure out how do you determine what your carbohydrate tolerance is? How do you know how much protein is enough or too much? How do you know what the right amount of fat is? So we're going to try to spell all that out for people, but it's going to vary from person to person depending on your metabolic makeup your tolerance level for those things. And on the cholesterol marker, one of the ways that you can know if you're eating too many carbs is goes back to the triglycerides again. So if your triglycerides are over 100, you're probably eating a few too many carbs. Back off on them a bit, get that number under 100, and you found your sweet spot of what your carbohydrate tolerance level is. Yeah, yeah. I got two more questions for you, and we're, we're winding down on time. But one of the questions is, what are some of the tests available that are more accurate way? And I think you mentioned this with the um, with NMR. Uh, uh, yep, NMR to detect heart disease. I know you mentioned the um, one of the tests that can do that that you oh, had. Oh, the CT heart scan. Yeah, so right. that's a big one. Uh, and I again can uh, credit Dr. Davis, Dr. William Davis. He's been talking about heart scans for long before. He was well-known as Wheat Belly. (laughs) He was talking about heart scans long ago. When I first got into this space 10 years ago, he was talking about heart scans even then. Basically, Mm -hmm. all it is is a two-minute test. Your doctor has to prescribe it because um, it is a little bit of radiation. But the test costs 100 bucks. It's not covered by insurance, but it's $100. At least it is here in South Carolina. I don't know where it is elsewhere. But um, you basically go in this CT uh, scan of your chest, and it'll, it'll do about two minutes and, and give you um, a number of what your calcium score is. So what they're looking for is actual 
calcified plaque taking place in the coronary artery. So you lay down flat on this table and uh, the CT scan scans basically your whole chest and then a radiologist reads to see how many uh, calcified plaques he finds and that's how it determines your number. Now, again, I said earlier, mine was zero. There's no calcified plaque in there despite the fact that I eat 75 to 80% of my diet as dietary fat, mostly saturated fat. So this whole clogging your arteries nonsense is it's just that. It's nonsense. So well, that, you, that's if, one key one. Go ahead. If you do have clogged arteries, is there a way to get them unclogged nat- naturally? Yeah, the reason they're clogged is inflammation. So anything you can do to lower inflammation is going to help improve that. Now, I know... Um, and, and we talk about this a little bit in the book, and I haven't said this in any of the, the many interviews I've done, so you've pulled something out of me I haven't mentioned anywhere else. Um, Dr. Dean Ornish brags about yeah. how his program reverses heart disease, and he always says it's my low-fat diet that did it. Well, if you look at all the other things that he does, smoking cessation, uh, stress management, and all of these other things that could be positively impacting heart health and helping to, quote-unquote, reverse that heart disease, it may not have anything to do with the diet. In fact, one of my experts, I don't remember exactly who it was, but somebody said, I think all of the things got better with the heart disease despite the low-fat diet. <laughs> yeah. so, so I think lowering the inflammation, which we've already talked about, lower your stress, um, lower the amount of uh, processed carbohydrates you're consuming, lower the vegetable oils you're consuming. You do all those basic things and get good sleep. Do all those basic things, and you're going to eliminate the inflammation that is making that cholesterol go to your arteries to try to put out. Yeah, I think you also mentioned chelation therapy in your book as well. It might be, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, chelation. So, My wife, Christine, yeah. actually had that uh, done uh, she was having some joint pain, a little bit of fibromyalgia, and she's had chelation therapy, so it's, it's pretty cool. Mm, okay. Last question for you. Actually, I have, uh, yeah, last question for you. And this actually comes <laughs> from someone who is um, wanted to ask a question. Uh, how should a person who is on statins get off of them, uh, especially the older population? Because we just discussed that on the podcast, yeah. on, the, uh, on the show. Yeah. Is it... Should they just go off of them? Should they just gradually go off of them? How, does she, how should they uh, attack this thing? I would never pretend to tell anybody what to do with their medications. I can only share my experience. When I was coming off of statins, I, I'll be honest with you, Darren, it was scary. I, I didn't know because I, was str- I had the, the fear of God struck in me, and I'd been on statins for a couple of years, and I made the decision these are causing me more harm than good, I'm just going to stop. So I stopped just point blank and just stopped taking them and haven't taken them now for nearly a decade. Um, But I would never tell somebody, just stop. Definitely try to find yourself a good doctor. And I have a a great list of doctors that are really friendly towards low-carb. If you want to try that, Mm lowcarbdoctors.blogspot.com is that website if you want to check it out. Okay, I'll do that. Or I'll tell that person to do that, rather. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, 
Yeah, that's all the question I have. Is there anything else that you wanted to add tonight? No, man. Just if people are interested in the book, we have um, a free chapter and lots of media. I was on the 700 Club recently with a, a pretty cool story that they did about uh, my story and, and Cholesterol Clarity. That's at cholesterolclarity.com. And then all of my web stuff you can find at livinlavitalowcard.com. Cool. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight, Jimmy, and I'm sure that you and I will be in touch. So thanks again for being on the Fat Man Radio Show. Absolutely, man. (laughs) Crack-a-lackin'. You and Christine, have a good night. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. Take care. All right. Good night. Hey, so that's a wrap. Thank you for joining in and listening to the show. I will be back next week at the same fat time on the same fat channel. And um, don't know who the guest will be next week, but I'm sure we'll have one. And uh, for those of you out there, I know everybody's getting ready for the holidays, so enjoy your holidays. I think uh, after this show next week, I'm going to probably take the rest of the year off and then come back strong in January of 2014 with a lot more guests for you and a lot more stuff. And really looking forward to doing that. So, again, thank you for listening to the show. And I will see you on the next episode. Peace.